Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave Honky. Mac and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Hey, Redcasters. It looks like we picked the wrong year to start a podcast. That's it? That's it? That's it? Nothing more? (laughs) All right. Well, I'm also with Boomer. Hey, I'd just like to remind all the Redcast fans, it looks like there's a uh, coach from Oregon State who's now available. (laughs) And maybe uh, a place for uh, Mike Riley to land uh, if he's not here next year. Uh, well, welcome, guys. We are, are absent Mac tonight, uh, but he has not left the Red Cast. He's not on protest. He's just uh, out got, saving got lives or something lame like that. That's right, yeah. doing more important things. Uh, but we were, uh, you know, talking about a, a loss, another loss. We uh, went up against the feisty Badgers of Wisconsin uh, Saturday night. In Lincoln, Redcast was there. Uh, myself uh, uh, took an RV out with uh, seven other folks. We had a great time until the game really started. Hockey joined us. Boomer had a great tailgate. Uh, we had a lot of fun with uh, some Twitter on Saturday. I think we had the Red Bull girls in attendance at our tailgate and a bunch of other people stopped by. Uh, guys, uh, how was Saturday for you? I had a blast. It was a it was a great time uh, from geez, eleven in the morning to about seven o'clock at night. Uh, but uh, yeah, and even the right first after half about a pick bad, six, right? it all, all got kind of a little murky after that, eh, Hunk? <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, it's just it was one of those rough games, and and uh, we're halfway through a season right now, and we're three and three, and and. Boy, it's getting games. harder and harder to put a, a, a nice bow on this right now. I don't know. You know, we're going to try to talk through some productive discussions, not just being positive, but actually trying to be productive. What can this team still do moving forward? But I'll just tell you right now, it's it's getting harder with each week to, to come up with that. What, yeah, what can this team do to, to get this thing turned around and, and finish the season on some kind of high note? Boomer? No, I'd uh, just echo what Honky said. The The game was great. The uh, libations did their job, at least until they wore off about halftime, which may have been Nebraska's problem. I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree that, again, at this point in the season, we really just have to take a serious look about where we're at and what the next few games is likely to hold. And what does that mean? Where do we go from here? Yeah, exactly right. Well, um, I think the first thing we can do is go right into our offensive breakdown. Scoring explosion. The offensive breakdown. Which uh, actually the first half overall looked looked pretty good from a production standpoint, yardage-wise, right? We had over 300 yards of total offense, uh, 200 through the air, uh, around 100 uh, on the ground uh, against a very stingy Wisconsin defense. Uh, but we did start off again uh, with a drive that ended in a pick six. Uh, 
that play is just it's hard to figure how this keeps on happening that came off of Ozigbo's helmet uh, just popped up in the air uh, I was sitting in the north end zone I saw that happen I literally just sat down uh, the second uh, the Wisconsin linebacker caught it because I knew exactly where he was going guys your thoughts at that moment of the game well, I just thought the weirdest thing about it is like everyone was just kind of resigned to, well, there it is again. You know, at least we got out of the way now. You know, yeah. it's not the first pick six, and I fear it won't be the last. But he's got to be on some pace for some sort of record with that, right? There's no way. I don't think the up. NCAA actually keeps that as a stat. Um, I've been it's trying to look an for official it. Stack. No, I don't believe it's an official, an official stat. stat. But Go figure. I'd, I'd be hard pressed to imagine too many other people are have a higher. Uh, Interception touchdown. He's averaging like this, .75 yeah. pick sixes per game right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, That's just, pretty impressive. I'll just tell you, we've, this feels like such a, a broken record, the same thing each week and week over again, but my goodness, we are a terrible passing team. I mean, or at the very yeah. least, we are an absolute comedy of errors. And I don't even want to go into the run-pass ratio. Thank God we don't have Mac here so he and I don't get into another – 20-minute thing that no one wants to hear right now about run-pass ratios. But my goodness, we are now six games in the season. We've had 12 turnovers. 11 of them have been through the passing game, 10 interceptions, and then Morgan's fumble. Of those 10 interceptions, four, 40% of our interceptions have gone back for pick sixes. I don't know if it's just dumb luck or whatever. I mean, but it it's is... It's extraordinary. It it's really extraordinary. Is. But what's not extraordinary is what... Wisconsin does week in and week out. Yeah, we talked about it when they beat BYU and they had 49 runs to 19 passes, I think, and they completed 18 and 19 passes. And we said, that's really efficient. Well, they actually took a step back this week. They had, what, 49 runs to you know 17 passes, and they only completed nine. That yeah. This team came in and did what they did to us and didn't even complete double-digit passes. I mean, I, I coached midget football teams that had more catches in games than these guys had against us, but they <laughs> it, it just it doesn't well, matter. They know what they do, and they do it well. Oh, and they do it with a true freshman running back, and we are constantly really in good. the mode. We're, well, he's wow. pretty good, but he's also Great pretty good at a system that really is built for yep. him, right? Because yep. we're in that constant mode of wait until next year or wait until two years from now. We have this great recruiting class that's going to come in. What freshman playing right now gives anyone – that 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 belief that a true freshman is going to be able to come in at Nebraska and do what a true freshman did at Wisconsin. Like it, our system, just by itself, it, it lends it lends you to that belief that it's going to take two or three years before guys get through the make an know, playbook and, and really actually make an impact. We have sure. Jalen Bradley out there that doesn't play a snap. You know, their true freshman runs for two hundred and fifty yards. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, it's. I'm, I'm, Let me ask you this, Hunk. Um, it, now I'm, I'm sure our coaches don't read anything in the papers and they don't pay attention to social media, but what we just said is not breaking news. I bet there's been a hundred articles written about Husker football in the last 48 hours, and pretty much all of them are saying, "Look what Wisconsin does. We used to do that. Sure. Why can't we just do that again?" Right? I mean, that's a, it was a universal cry after this game. Sure. Um, what do you think the coaching staff thinks when they read that? I have no idea. I mean, before the season started, we had, you know, Jerry DiNardo and the, the BTN crew were here, and the first thing they said at our practice was, wow, this looks like Wisconsin's offense. 
And what I've kind of tried to – and, by the way, that led to my 10-2 preseason prediction. You were very I excited. I really thought between what he said there and between all the offseason things that Riley had talked about with we can't line up and throw it 40-plus times a game, that 94% of, of Big Ten teams win when they run the ball more and have less turnovers – I mean, I really wanted to believe that, and that when that factored into my ten and two prediction, it, it factored greatly into it. We're not we're not there. We're nowhere near there. We don't do that. Um, we're so inconsistent from one week to the next. It, it just feels like we're trying to create a new game plan each week instead of just finding something that works and sticking with it. You get Bradley a week ago starting to have a good game, and then he doesn't touch the field this week. I, yeah. I just I don't. I, I want to try to somewhere be productive. Like, what can we still do this year? What can Riley do? I'm not just resigned to the fact that he's definitely – that there's definitely changes going on, but changes have to be made. And, ch- and when I say that, I don't – I'm not saying fire a person. I'm saying something has to change. You just can't keep doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results. And, and so what are changes? What are things that can happen that can still be productive for this team this year? And, and I was talking with Mac about it the other day. And, you know, one of the things that started to come to our mind was, you know, if I'm Riley right now and I've got at least six games left, I'm taking over play calling duties. And, and it's not that because we got to fire Langsdorf, and I'm not trying to say it's, you throw it all on him, but there's something inconsistent when the head coach week in and week out says, this is the kind of offense I want to run, and we never come out and run it. And we hear that, oh, well, it's because we couldn't, you know, we, we're not getting – we're not getting good rushing yards on first down, so we're not going to run it. Well, Dave, what were we talking about before the show here? At, at halftime, we had about 100 yards rushing. Yeah. You no, know? we were successful in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. It, and one of the things that's hilarious to me is, you know, we're so used to these pick sixes. It's like, yeah, you know, hey, no big deal. We're just used we to We finally got them. one of our own, right? Yeah. yeah like, we hey. get one from Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's response to that is, oh, yeah, we're, like, not throwing again the rest of the game. Like, that's it. They, That's they done. threw twice after that. I think uh, two passes the rest of the game. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we're not doing that again. That's yeah. none of that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we I'm have really... some great social media quotes I'm going to pull out here in a little bit, Dave. But, I mean, that's just offensively, I it's so disheartening to me. And we haven't even obviously got to the point yet where we can talk about the defense, which is what Wisconsin's offense was doing to us. Just that pummeling. Sure. Oh, wow. Well, let me bring Boomer into this a little bit. Um, I, I think I, I heard today that Trey Bryant is likely out for the season. Uh, and to, to Honky's point there, we've, we should have been able to s- stockpile our running back position where the entire scheme that R- Riley spoke about in the offseason uh, shouldn't have been dependent on the healthy knee of, of Trey Bryant. Uh, is there a, a, a fault with this coaching staff? on how they've recruited and built this program because in this day and age you you don't get five years uh, immediately without starting to produce and they have not really recruited that running back position so to, to honky's point if riley's saying that we need to run the ball a lot but all of our high profile recruits have been whiteouts uh where's the the focus on getting more running backs that could could produce that type of run game I don't know. That's been a question I've had. And the only thing I can figure, and this goes to kind of like what Honky's saying, where Langsdorf doesn't seem to be calling the plays that Riley allegedly wants for his offense. And I guess my question is, if that's the case, why isn't he? I mean, Riley, you're the head coach. You can tell him to call X kind of game. 
Why is why yeah. hasn't he done so? The only thing I can figure at this I, point, I, either Trey Bryant's the only linchpin they had to hold that whole Wisconsin-esque offense together, and without him they have no faith in it, which doesn't really make sense giving Ozigbo's performance the last couple games. Yeah, really, He's the, reliable. The simplest answer, the old Occam's razor answer to it is they just don't think we can do it or they really don't want to run that kind of offense. He might say he does, and maybe it's which just is, the political Which is what it's. Gerald Foster said in the post-conference, essentially, right? I mean, our lineman said, no, we want to be Nebraska and essentially espouse the balanced approach that yeah, we should I, be able to run in pass. And, and I want to give Foster a little bit of a of a pass on that because I know it, I think he's defending his team there. And, and sure, it's a question sure. right after the game. And, you know, we're not in the press conference, so we don't see exactly how it's all phrased. But I, but it, it, the optics of it don't look good. <laughs> you know when no. when he comes out and he's saying he's saying yeah we don't we don't want to be a run the ball team and everything and you're just getting destroyed for the sixth out of seventh time by the run the ball team that's winning this division I mean we're we're gonna have to be able to win this division before we can win the conference and to win the division and beat the Wisconsin's and the that's Iowa's how math works yeah yeah well and to and to beat the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's a, a pass first mentality like this and and quite honestly kind of a soft pass first pack. Twelve mentality isn't going to do it, and, and, hey, Boomer, recruit, and top recruiting f- classes necessarily aren't going to do it. Iowa and no. Wisconsin, we're beating the heck out of them in recruiting classes. That's not the problem. Yeah. Boomer, can you look up Wisconsin's recruiting classes just for how many running backs they recruit on an annual basis? I have a, a feeling it's more than one, which is essentially what the Riley regime is averaging. And you know, we've beat up uh, Honky. You've pounded this over and over again. Riley's promising that we, you know, we're going to try to be the top three rushing offense in the Big Ten and we're going to can't throw the ball, etc. But we haven't actually tied that to their recruiting classes, which have only taken one running back at a time. Sure. I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? If you're really espousing to be that much of a run team, why are you only bringing in one running back at a time? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Sure, yeah. And, I mean, that's a lot of the I was kind of going through social media and trying to get some different quotes, and, and a lot of things that people were writing about were, you know, you have to give this, give the coaching staff time to get their players in here and all that. Which at some point, now that we're a thousand days into is into the, the Riley a era, thousand days of Mike Riley, you know, we're three <laughs> three seasons and everything. I'll use a an Urban Meyer quote. That's a coach that will be playing in five days. Um, you don't get five years to build a team anymore. You get two if you're lucky. That's that's how Myers' mentality is is on it. When when it comes to the running backs, uh, three of the four guys that are out there were recruited by this staff. You know Bryant and Zigbo and and Bradley and and then they inherited the four star Wilbon. So they have four running backs there. And if that's not enough, then get more. And and but again, we have a healthy Bradley that's sitting on the sideline, not playing at all. You know this last weekend. So Zigbo, you know, who doesn't play for the first two games at all, all of a sudden now he's getting the lion's share of every carry, which is understood with injuries and all, but he, we don't find a way to get Bradley out there. And, and, and to get a few more carries, we have 23 carries go to, to Zigbo, and the whole entire team had 26, and every one of those other ones is basically a QB scramble or sack or, you know, yep, that's not right. called runs. Also notice something that we've expected – for the last three years is that we're going to get a few rushes out of the wide receivers that we've recruited so heavily, sure. right? And we didn't see any of the sweeps this week. It so. is so unimaginative, uh, this this running offense, between zero QB 
or be, uh, zero fly sweeps to your, to your point there, Dave. Or like last week on the on the redcast, we like to say that we get we get things done, but we didn't because last week we we said maybe they'd run a little uh, uh, no uh, wildcat wildcat. Thank you. None. I mean, there's just nothing. This is the most unimaginative run game. And then even if something does work, we don't stick with it. Boomer. Okay, well, uh, to your question, Dave, if uh, our good friends at Badger 24-7 Sports are to be believed, uh, 2013 class was run running back, uh, 2014 and 2015 they recruited two, and 2016 they had one running back in those classes. So not super okay, heavy, so, but at least no, multiple. But, but, but. Six in four years. All right. Yeah. And one thing, you know, I just kind of wanted to mention with hockey, he says, you know, we have an unimaginative running game. Does Wisconsin have a really super creative, imaginative running game, or are they just good at running? Well, what I well, I said two things. I said we don't have a real imaginative running game, but the second part of it is is that if we do find something that works, we don't stick with it. Um, you're right. Wisconsin doesn't have a, a, a wildly imaginative offense in terms of the run game, but when they find something that works, they stick with it to the tune of 20 straight runs, I think it was. You know, would yeah. we do that? I mean, we did that a year ago at the end of the Illinois game, if I believe, if I remember correct. I think we had like 20 straight runs at the end of that. But Wisconsin is consistent. Wisconsin runs it 49 times against BYU and has 19 passes. Wisconsin against Nebraska runs it 49 times and has 17 passes. Wisconsin, you know what you're going to get from week to week. They do it. They do it well. I guess the imaginative te- thing that maybe Wisconsin did that Nebraska didn't do this week was they put in a second running back. You know, <laughs> I guess that's imaginative. Yeah. That's called yeah, rotation. Shaw, I'm, not, I'm not sure what to to make out of it more than that, but I, I don't know. I just I, – I, I really – I like Riley. And, you know, if you kind of go back in our tweets at the end of that game, at the end of that day, I mean, we didn't want uh, – we kind of put the, the phones down eventually because it's like we're not going to sit here and pile on them at the end of Saturday night, but it's disheartening. I, it really is. And this, we have better players than this. That I, I am, the one thing I'm not going to do, and I saw, some, I saw some, some people on social media, and I saw, saw a couple even, eh, I'm not even going to go who, but I saw people that were really attacking the players as being bad players. And that to me, like, I don't, I don't get, you don't, get to do that as a fan like I don't I don't think you get to be like better and say you know what the, don't blame the coaches it's not the coaching fault our players just suck right it's it's right. our players that suck and we just need you know the coaches just need to get two or three more classes in here because those all those high school kids that are that are you know talking big games they're the ones that are going to just fix everything next year and the year after that eventually you have to look and you have to go you know are we making progress? That was our whole point in this show since week one in preseason. Sure. Like, we want to see progress, even more than just talking records. Are we making progress? Is this offense making progress right now? Like, do you have any feeling that what we're doing is getting better as, as you know, you get the quarterback in that you, that you want? Um, we haven't had wild injuries at, at wide receiver throughout right. the season so far, so we've really had our top three or four playing every week. We've had some injuries at running back, but but we you know, but we can we always have the next man up. You know, even our offensive line has gotten better throughout the year. I think most people kind of recognize that. Why are we scoring ten offensive points in this game? Why is yeah. this? So why I mean, is this, is this Im- improvement would have been. Yeah, is this the third game that by the time our defense got on the field for the first time we were down already? I mean, this is it's insane. It's it's this laughable comedy of errors, and I. 
I don't want to pile on the players at some point. But then if you and I don't want to. So if you don't want to pile on the players on the kids, who do you pile on? Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the first half is an example of, you know, are we getting better or not as an offense? And sure, we pile up a lot of yards against good defense, but by scoring 10 points, we, we drove it in Wisconsin territory four straight times and, and got zero points out of that. You just can't do that. Um, you need to produce points in that first half when the Wisconsin offense wasn't executing at a high level and get ahead of them in, in, at a halftime and put the pressure on them. And it just it doesn't happen. In the second half, when Wisconsin answered the bell, the bell got rung when Williams picked off Hornibrook and scored and tied up that game, and that place was electric. And we needed to get the ball back after that drive, and our offense needed to answer the bell and go right back down again and do it and, and tie this thing up, and they couldn't do it. Um, and when we got the ball back after the second long drive, we, we turned the ball over right away. That, that's not not improvement from that offense. There's no doubt. Boomer, you want to add, anything uh, to add here before we wrap up uh, scoring explosion? No, just the sheer lack of a scoring explosion is probably <laughs> just well, all we can say about it. Failed to take advantage, failed to get a good start. One of the things we harped on last week, needed to start strong and didn't do it again. And here we have it. Yeah, it's, it's just a rinse and repeat. We've seen it too many times uh, so far this year, that's for certain. Throw the bones, the defensive breakdown. All right, guys, we are throwing the bones, which we did a little bit uh, on Saturday night, especially with that INT pick six and a respectable first half. Um, but uh, just a not enough, especially in three consecutive, maybe four consecutive drives there in the second half for Wisconsin pretty much did whatever they wanted, which was to run the ball right at us. Um, this this might be a short segment, but there's not a whole lot of positives to take out of the type of performance at the end of the day. Honky, anything uh, you want to want to start off soft with? Well, I, I, I think the defense in general, I'm going to go back to the word we talked about on offense, progress. Are we seeing it or not? And, and I feel good about the defense right now. I really do. I see progress being made. Really? I think throughout the first half, for sure, we're seeing progress there. Um, Would they have 17 points at half, and seven of them bounced off of Zigbo's head? So, and, and um, seven of that was a 75-yard run. Right? Yeah. So, so I mean, th- but I think what we saw in that game was just a really good offensive scheme gassing us at the end of it. And so it was a combination of two things in that second half. We we got pooped, and why? Part of it was we probably had an opportunity or two at times to get off the field that we didn't. And then certainly when our offense got on the field, it was so quick and out that that our defense was right back out there on the field again. And so eventually that, that takes its toll. Um, I thought our defense, again, you know, specifically in the first half, I guess, I thought they, they held up really well. And um, – but they just got pooped. I don't know. I got I got nothing more than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, so with that three four, could have Diaco done anything different in that second half? I mean, we did get him to a third and four, third and five, a couple different times in each one of those drives. And uh, I remember one in particular. They got the big big pass play, and then we had him third and goal, and they they converted. So when we did get them to finally throw the ball, they actually executed. They threw twice in the second half after that INT. Both were completions and for, for a first down and a touchdown. 
um, run defense, though, it felt like Taylor was getting three or four yards contact and another three or four yards. Uh, could they have done run blitz? Is something more to bring, even just dare them to throw the ball at some point? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know? I mean, so, I mean, at some point you had to say, like, what do you have to lose, right? Yeah, Beat me I mean, over the top. I don't care. I'm putting nine guys in there to tackle Taylor. Right? I, I think that's a fair way of saying it. I mean, I, Hornerbrook, I'll give, I'll give our, our quarterback, I'll give Lee some credit here. I think that Hornerbrook's the second best quarterback on that field that night. So maybe, maybe you, do, you just sell out everything and just try to put it on his shoulders to win. Obviously, you know, he makes that one pick six, and Wisconsin's, the coach's response to that was, yeah, we're not throwing again. You're, right. You know, yeah, we're not going to put this in. You would think after run sixteen or seventeen, you might see the pattern emerging, and maybe yeah, you know, yeah. Just put something in I'm there. I'm just saying, like Diaco never really just completely just stuffed sold the box out and to, said, "I'm just not going to let you do that any longer." Yeah, and that's Beat me over the top. I don't. That's care. really the kind that's of the, one of the disappointing things about this half. And like Honky, you know, Honky even alluded to how the defense was tired or gassed. But on that first long drive at Wisconsin's, they really didn't have any reason to be tired or guess they'd been on the field for what two minutes so far that second half yeah exactly and then they mm-hmm. get the ball and they let him go 93 yards and 10 plays had chances to get off the field didn't do that's, it that's that's specifically the that. drive yeah. yeah that's specifically a drive boomer i'm talking about where i go they, they just didn't get off the field and they didn't yeah it's that, I, I yeah it's kind yeah, of amazing. i mean they open up open up with a 15 yard carry then 11 then a seven yeah. i mean it was right off the bat. It wasn't like they took long to get going in that drive. It was no. an immediate response by Wisconsin. We can run over you. That's what we're going to do now. And Diaco didn't didn't ever, you know, I guess the the bend but don't break mentality bent all the way down to, to well, you know third and goal at the well, five and they can yeah, the touchdown pass. This is this starts to become more of an offensive talk than defensive. But the bend but don't break is great against the pass. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I mean, you can do yeah. that against past teams, but the run game, go back to Nebraska in the 90s running, no no defense played bend but don't break against Tom Osborne because they, yeah. they would just break eventually. We'll just yeah. run over you. Especially in the run zone. And we'll break whatever, right? Well, that's that's is exactly what Wisconsin did. Um, I also think that that interception was such a wake-up call to them. I mean, the, the intensity that their O-line came out with, the intensity that their running back came out with, I mean, they were focused and they were like, that is just – that's not happening again. I mean, there was a there was like a switch yeah. that, that happened with them, and we didn't have that same switch. And I, I'm only making excuses if I go into trying to come up with too many reasons why we don't have that switch right now, but, but yeah. it, well, it, we you didn't know, match it. We'll talk about this a little bit more uh, maybe in our next segment talking about the coaching carousel because a former Wisconsin coach uh, who went in 19 and 7 in two years uh, was uh, just just left his position at Oregon State today. But Paul Chris has been there just the exact same time amount of time as, as Mike Riley. And he has clearly uh, embraced the Alvarez bottle. Um even with offense and defensive coordinator changes. And that culture, uh, to be able to flip the switch, is there. And I don't know if I've ever seen the the switch flipped under Riley, right? Like where we suddenly everything clicked, right? And that opportunity was there um, on Saturday night. You had all the momentum, 17-17, the stadium was electric, and we did the exact opposite, right? 
Yeah. I it, I just I don't ha- I don't have anything. I mean, we've got Wisconsin's gone through three DCs in the last yeah. three years. Isn't it something some ridiculous? Yeah, number and they've like done that? the same they, thing every year. They, it doesn't they matter have, what coach we've had, what scheme we've been running. Yep. And they just do this well against us, and I don't I don't fully understand it. I, I you know, watching Wisconsin Northwestern last week, Northwestern was able to hold them to about a hundred yards rushing. Is Northwestern's defense better than anything we were able to put on the field? Are their players better defensively? Yeah, I would hope question. not. But I, mean, I, I would I, guess that's what I don't to, understand. To Honky's, yeah. Honky's point about are we seeing progress? The first two games, why I was so high on Nebraska beating Wisconsin this year was Wisconsin did nothing against us the last two years that scared me. Riley actually defended Wisconsin really well. Lost on the last second field goal at home two years ago. Lost in overtime last year. I expected another competitive close game like that. You can't say that we really stepped forward if you're just putting the Wisconsin games under the microscope from years one, two, and three. This is the worst performance of the three. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I know you have nothing else to say, but I mean, that's, that's, that's the truth, right? Yeah. I, I, I see progress with the defense overall, but Wisconsin's a different beast from what they do and, and what they, what they want to do. They did to us. I mean, they just, yeah. I'm not necessarily the, Nebraska it, took a step back, but we haven't kept pace with yeah, Paul Chris it, Wisconsin program over the last three years. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and Dave, this I, I, I don't even want to bring this up because it, it takes us down such a different tangent that I don't want to go down. But I mean, Wisconsin will practice against each other. They'll go they'll yep. go good on goods though, and that great offensive line and that hard pace, you know, hard fast offense and that run first mentality that's going dead smack into that defense time and time and time again. And boy, somehow they make each other better. And, yeah, go figure. And you know, I don't know if our defense is getting that same benefit right now. Yep, um, that's fair. So I, that's as I, I'm. I've been terrible in this segment here. I don't. I don't have anything to add. We just All right, we well, got we got. Pummeled, we can wrap it up. Second um, half. Boomer, uh, special teams. Anything on that? Well, uh, mixed bag. Uh, Lightborn again, punting well. I mean, he's pinning people down deep. He's yeah, 69 doing yard exactly punt, 56-yard punt. I think his Very average good. punting was, I think, like 47, 48 yards. Can't argue with that. Yeah. Uh, the missed field goal, that was disappointing. Stunning. Really no excuse for a 33-yarder. I, everyone in the stadium thought he made it, and everyone's quietly applauding, and meanwhile the refs are waving it off, which was kind of surprising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was I bizarre. thought he made it. And it, it's not quite special teams, but it's related. I think everyone was kind of mystified by our uh, – play towards the end there going for that final field goal why we were throwing it's just we're just lucky that a zigbo kind of slid out of bounds there and we're able to stop the clock that's true that was i didn't understand the clock management that kind of plays in with special teams and granted that's been another recurring theme with riley teams is just terrible clock management towards the end of games i I don't understand it my standing offer at any program i'll be a clock manager for you for probably 50 75k I've watched enough games and played enough Super Tecmo. I can do this, guys. Believe me. So. How different do you guys think the game could have potentially gone if that, what was it, the kickoff that was fumbling around? Was that oh, right yeah. after? That was right after Williams' uh, good, interception good turn, right? So 17 yep. 17, we kick off, the ball's bumbling around, and if we just oh, land it. on it, just dumb luck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was kind of scanning some of the, the previous Wisconsin Big Ten losses. Uh, you know, they're they're beatable but the the keys to actually beating them you know it's not necessarily out rushing them or doing anything particularly better it's turnovers against them when they turn the ball over a lot they're 
yeah. a vulnerable team, and they lose games to teams they shouldn't. Like Northwestern's beaten them, you know, several years prior to this one, and the big key to those is turnovers. Yeah, we don't seem to be generating a ton of those, and you know, we're well, breaking even most games, and you know, we're not getting the chances when they do put it on the ground. And part of yep. yeah, and to your point there, Boomer, yeah, turnovers is one big part of it. Another part of it's actually getting ahead and having a lead on a team and forcing them to have to do things that are maybe outside of their their comfort zone. We never, because we have these balls bouncing off a guy's heads at the beginning of games and we have pick sixes, we're constantly coming from behind, it seems like, to where it never puts pressure on teams. It Just having Wisconsin down seven in the second half at any time could have changed a little bit of how maybe they would have played. Now, I say that, and, and then I, in the back of my head, I'm like, nah, it wouldn't have changed anything because they would have just said, screw it, we're running. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're, yeah. just, we're still going to run 20 straight times, you know? I mean, it, Well, know, at it, some point it could have made a difference. In it, the fourth some quarter, point it could have made a difference. It could have made yeah. a difference yeah, because it, you know, if we would have executed at a high, high level in the first half and scored 23 points, something yeah. like that, and it's 23 to, t- to 10, at some point, if we could have just got another touchdown in the second half, they would have at some point had to have thrown the ball yes. a little bit more. If Drew Brown makes his first half field goal and you're up by three after the Aaron Williams interception, instead of it being 17-17, if it's 20-17 to and yeah. we land on a on a kickoff that's fumbling around and we, we score a touchdown, now all of a sudden we're up 27-17. to If that's the scenario that would have happened, that could have conceivably changed a little bit maybe about how the Badgers would have come out and – called their offense but at the end of the day just the way that the last quarter and a half went defensively for us just getting I'm just going to call it pooped out I just I get the feeling that almost regardless of what the score would have been that they would have just done that at some point it would have it would have happened unless we were had some 10 or 14 point lead to begin with fair enough you're listening to the go big redcast and now Scarlet colored glasses. All right, now on the Go Big Redcast, we are looking through our scarlet colored glasses, which is a uh, actually a little foggy probably right now, considering what we've seen for six games of the season. Uh, yeah, maybe we should get a distraction first. Boomer, we got some uh, trivia. Trivia time. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're taking it a little easier this week after the pummeling we took from Wisconsin. So <laughs> we we've got to... Wisconsin and now Ohio State coming in, both ranked in the top ten. So my question is, uh, when is the last time, if ever, the Huskers have played top ten opponents back-to-back? Not counting bowl games. Not counting bowl games. Yeah, in the regular season. I feel like that had to have happened at some point. I mean, 95 season in particular, we we beat four top ten teams. Uh or either any of those back-to-back, Honk? I don't think so. I mean, Kansas, K-State, Colorado, we're all in the top ten, but I don't... It would have... the back the And then Miami. That would have been back-to-back, but that would include the bowl game. Well, right? 95 was, was the Florida one, but... Oh, Florida uh, game, sorry. I know in, like, point, 90, point is. 92, I know we played back-to-back Colorado and Kansas, and they were both ranked high. I don't know if Kansas was top 10, but they were they were at least in the teens. And, um, I'm, boy, that's about as – I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to say 92, Kansas, and Colorado is my guess. Hmm. 
trying to think through any of that. Anything else in Polini's era? Back to backs. Nothing recent. I mean, that's I'm, I'm almost immediately jumping all the way back into the '90s because I nothing in the last twenty years. Um, you know, sure. sounds like that. I guess. All right, we'll go with that, Boomer. Ninety-two. All right. Well, you guys are on partially the right track. Uh, Ninety-five is what sprung to mind for me. We did play. Uh, we was in the AP poll. K-State, uh, number eight in Colorado, who was number seven at the time, back-to-back in late October oh. 95. But that is not actually the most recent time. I was surprised. Uh, 2008, Missouri was fourth, and Texas Tech was seventh. And we played them back-to-back in Lincoln and then down in Lubbock in 2008. Wow. Oh, yeah, I was, wow. kind of forgot about that year entirely. So. It was Bo's first year. We got pummeled by, pummeled by Missouri. Um, we did. And tuck tech to overtime, so we at least uh, put forth a little better effort in game two of the uh, back-to-back right. top ten series. And that, I've never uh, been able to find us. I don't believe we've ever played uh, top ten teams back-to-back at home. So this is uh, a first ah. for what it's worth, I guess. So hurrah. <laughs> we've got that going <laughs> That for Missouri us, game nice. in 08, was that uh, our good friend uh, Schlitz's wedding? Yes. That yeah. would be correct. Right. Yes, it was. Yeah, yes. yeah we Red watched that all together. And a loyal listener, uh, Schlitz, yes. Yeah. Congratulations oh, wait, no. on that winning again, Brian. Uh, wait, I right. think actually Schwitz's was in 07, so he was the oh, fine. Wait, that Screw was all that, that lost to Missouri. I remember losing yeah. to Missouri. That's all I remember. Yeah, that was the bad one. Well, we lost to them both years, Dave, so it doesn't, you know, yeah. The, the 07 one was the, uh, we have a third grade or high school defense or something that Chase Daniels said about uh, Cosgrove's oh, right. defense. right, right. Uh, all right. Well, all right. Well, it's uh, not actually that positive of a <laughs> of a way to look through the color color glasses there, Boomer. So uh, right, I was thinking of two back to back losses given me this week. So that ain't much. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we are a twenty four point underdog to Ohio State, uh, it's it's tough to be that positive, uh, and we don't want to, you know. Uh, just talk about uh, uh, coaching changes uh, prematurely. A lot of things can happen in the next six games. There's no guarantee, depending on where the AD position goes, etc. But I, I think we have to start bringing it up now on the Redcast is uh, the possibility that we're going to be uh, joining the coaching carousel that happens every year now in college football with the stakes so high and the contracts uh, commensurate with that. Uh, millions of dollars being paid to these coaches. Their results uh, need to happen sooner than later. Uh, UTEP uh, fired their coach, brought in Mike Price as an interim coach, uh, I think already a week ago. Uh, just today, uh, Gary Anderson, former Wisconsin Utah State coach, who took over the Beaver, Beaver program for Mike Riley, uh, stepped aside or was let go. It was a mutual situation. He actually essentially wash his hands of it uh, not requiring a buyout or anything which is pretty unusual he went 7 and 23 I believe in 30 games there in Corvallis um, there's going to be other uh, coaching fires this year looking at Butch Jones potentially at Tennessee Kevin Sumlin not looking uh, likely to be around at A&M you could look at Jim Moore potentially at UCLA Arizona Arizona State there's lots of potential openings out there um Guys, you know, this is a phenomenon that we've been a part of far too often now. Uh, You know, is is there ever a right time to fire a coach? Well, I mean, there's right times if you... How about an ideal time to fire a coach? Ideal time, Let me put it that way. 
Well, ideally, I'd like to have an athletic director in place before we uh, go about firing anybody. <laughs> so let's uh, let's start there first. Get that athletic director picked and have some idea of what we're doing, so we're not just kind of running around with an interim athletic director trying to make these decisions, which he said he wasn't going to do. You know, that's one thing Remington said he didn't want to do. He's not here to fire sure. anybody. So let's get let's get that in place first and get some sort of vision of well, what me, we want to be as a team and a program, and then we can kind of decide from there. Well, that that would be the the football uh, guy thought that Honky brought up um, a, a redcast or two ago that we need to hire the right uh, football guy in that athletic director position. I, I and I don't disagree with that per se, but the reality is the AD will be tied to whoever he would, whether he keeps Riley, he's he, or or eventually fires Mike Riley and hires someone else. That AD is tied to that coaching position, the success of the football program. If you're not fixing football, that mm-hmm. AD will be on thin ice sooner than later at some point. So if you are going to go through this process, in a couple more weeks, if we're staring at a 3-5 and five record or, or something to that degree, why put the pressure and all of your eggs on the AD to make that one higher. We should have an executive search committee to, to find the right coach. Why is it just the AD's role to hire the guy? Because he's going to go down with that ship, just like Ike Horst potentially is, is going to go down with Riley. Yeah. Uh, uh, we asked the question today to the Redcasters, and we're somewhere around 300 votes now, and, and 67% of them said to give Riley one to two more years. 25% said change now or after 17 2017 and then 8% said uh, the result would be the same either way which I kind of take as the that's the apathy approach. I was actually very pleased to hear that between the 67 and 25% that 92% of people at least feel it's down to the two, you know, that right. That <laughs> you either keep Riley around or hire someone else and and it will make a difference that it's not just going to we're doomed to this forever. You know, that's, that's, we're a good not going to become Minnesota. The 8% thinks we're, we're going to become yeah, the Minnesota. Eight, the 8% is, is the, is the apathy vote there. Right. Yeah. Um, we have said all along, I mean, we, we've never rooted against Nebraska in our life and that's not going to start now. So we want to win Correct. the last six games. We want to finish the season nine and three. And there's, there's no discussion at the, at the end of the year, we, we have our coaching staff in place and we move on from there. That's, that's what we want. Now, probably taking a little more realistic view of it, this game this weekend means a lot. You know, if we're talking about a win at the end of this year, at the end of this week, and we're four and three, you know, that's a whole different red cast next week, and and immediately you feel a little bit of little bit of hope. Dave, you and I went to Columbus a year ago and saw us lose sixty-two to three. If we're talking about that yep. kind of game in a week, boy, it just keeps the keeps adding and piling up on top of each other. So results still matter, and that goes back to my point about how can we be – I'm not trying to be positive tonight. I'm trying to be productive. Like, what do we need to do to get better now this year? And that's the, the whole Riley thing of take over offensive coordinator duties. That's something you see other coaches do when times get tough, and sometimes it helps and sometimes it doesn't. I'm, I'm, I'm brainstorming. What can we do? We can't just keep doing the same thing. But um, – yeah, at least sixty-seven percent of our fans there they think that uh, they think that we should be doing another one or two years with, with Riley. They they believe well, that, in that. That's that's fair, and I understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I read uh, Dirk Chatelain's article today where you know he broke down the next eighteen games and said point blank, 
it could be an ugly 18 games, uh, especially if Mike Riley uh, is retained in the sense that if we're not seeing progress, we just talked about in this redcast that we're not seeing a lot of progress. Maybe some, Honky, you're more positive on the defense than I expect you to be, but we may be favored in maybe six of those 18 games coming up, and that is... Uh, if you just took that record and said we would go 6-12 and 12 or the next 18, you're just delaying the inevitable, right? I mean, how sure. does Riley survive? Sure, he somehow survives this year. How in the heck does he survive next year with a similar record? Yeah, well, <laughs> you asked... Uh... You asked Dave, you know, when's the right time to, to make these changes? Um, we had a couple of redcasters. These are the responses they gave to one of our questions. One of them said, yep, I hate to be stuck in mediocrity, but I don't know if you can fire a guy after year three. That's fair. The next guy writes three years or something less is enough time to know if a coach is going to work out or not. That's fair, too. The reality is when's the right time to fire somebody? The right time is when is when it makes sense to do it and, and there doesn't seem like there's another option that's that's better. One of the things that's hurt Nebraska over the last 20 years is that we've fired a couple of coaches, namely Solich and Pelini, when they've gone 9-3. and three. Those are tough times to fire someone because it puts that next coach into a difficult position. Now, we're not rooting for this or anything, but imagine that this season really goes south. Imagine finishing with one of those losing records people would say don't fire someone because next year we're playing this tough this tough schedule but the reality is that's actually not a bad time to do it if you're four and eight i'm just throwing a number out there if we were four and eight at the end of this year and the next coach comes in next year and goes six and six against this great schedule that we're playing that would be viewed as a very positive first year that's actually a great time to bring in a coach but if we go nine and three you know we win our last six games as i said and then for some reason we fired it, you know, we fired Riley, you know, going nine and three. Right. The third time we've done that to a nine and three coach then if we did that. But imagine if we did that, you know, fire someone and then the next guy comes in and goes six and six. That six and six looks terrible. You don't want to go six and six after nine and three. But if someone goes four and eight, that tends to be the time that they go. The next guy comes in. He's he's given a little bit of a grace period because of, of that four and eight year you had. And and hopefully next year looks better because of it. Sure. No, that, that's a good point. Boomer? Yeah, I tend to agree with kind of basically what Honky's saying there. It, let, we'll let the season play out a little bit, but I'm not sure what positives we're going to take away from the rest of this season. Just kind of looking at the schedule, uh, how many games left are we even going to be favored in? Yeah, Two, this year. maybe? Yeah. I, yeah. I, Just looking at it, I don't know if we're favored against Purdue at this point playing on the road there no. i i don't see any reason to pick us over purdue just you know i'm not vegas or anything but on the surface i don't see that happening and another year of not making a bowl bid without you know pure luck with academics the first season another five win season you know we we took a lot of crap for firing nine win coaches you know it's a little easier to fire five win coaches over a couple seasons I will yeah say i don't that. think the national perception yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if Riley goes nine and three, or even eight and four, that would be a different story. But the funny thing is, I don't think the national perception is like the Riley experiment's not working out at Nebraska. Like, no one would be shocked at this point if Riley got fired. That's that's. I mean, Nebraska. I think we are being more conservative and more understanding. That sixty-seven percent that answered our poll, then the the national perception is like, what is Nebraska doing with this guy? 
I, I'm just throwing it out there. I think the national perception is, is like that's a bad fit and it should never have happened. Yeah. No, well, I think that's fair. And it, 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 it kind of stems uh, similar to something I we looked at a few weeks ago. I don't remember if we talked about it on air or not. I remember the, the guys on 1620 brought it up. Um, just what's the average tenure of a coach in Division oh, I yeah. football? And I, I ran the numbers, and the vast majority of coaches have been here four years or less. So it's yeah. not like three years is really out of the ordinary for any particular coach. It's this this kind of just the nature of college football nowadays. You, you have to produce. And yeah. You have to produce relatively quickly. You have to show some kind of progress, give people a reason to invest in emotionally and monetarily in the program. And if you're not showing that, at least something, give people something to hang their hat on. Absolutely. What good does it do to keep it around any further? Yeah. Well, yep. you know, one of our redcasters, he wrote, uh, we've been here for 15-plus years. Uh, we will get there if we quit playing the coaching carousel. And I don't know that that's true. Some, the coaching carousel ends when you get the right coach. It's all about the right And the question right really becomes, and th- this, is, this is the question that has to be answered, is Riley the right coach? If he is, number one, we should start winning here soon. Yeah, that's right. And number right. two, the coaching carousel, coaching carousel will stop. Oklahoma had a coaching carousel in the 90s. Nebraska had a coaching carousel in the 40s and the 50s. Um, Alabama had a coaching carousel up until Saban. And if Saban would have been 16 and 14 or whatever Riley's record is right now, if Saban was like that in year three, and if Saban was losing by by the the, the point margins that we've been losing by, and if he's a 24-point underdog at home the next week, you know, Saban yep. would have been part of the Alabama coaching carousel. They would have fired Saban at some point. That's that's the reality of it. So coaching carousels go on until you find the right guy. And so that's the whole question behind all this. I don't know that there, we don't have to pick a number. There's plenty of evidence, as we saw today at Oregon State, but there's plenty of evidence of teams that don't let coaches go into year four. There's no guarantee of year four at any, at any school. And Texas just did yeah. it a year ago, and, and – and we the said at the too beginning big at this point. Yeah, we said and, and the recruiting the, cycles are, are so much quicker. Yeah, we said at the beginning of this year that we thought eight and four was really the, the minimum number that that the Redcast thought we needed to see this year. And if it's way below that, then I don't see why we'd have to wait a year to have something happen. And does anyone think we're going to hit eight? To hit eight, it's you got to go five right and now. one it's now. You're, you're guaranteeing that you have to beat a Penn State or an Ohio State. Okay, so <laughs> I think no is probably the the consensus view at this point. Without without getting into it too deeply, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, just, and I know that like Mac is definitely like a I don't want to fire Riley, and I totally see his perspective. Yeah. I'm I'm not dismissing that, but I, at, at the end of the day, we have to see some improvement, and a lot of coaches are you see improvement. By year three, and I, I'm looking for the evidence. Yeah. Give me the evidence because I, I was I was supportive of Riley, you know, with the hire. I thought it was an interesting hire. I didn't freak out as some other people did. I thought, hey, let's give this guy a shot. I've a lot of, I've seen a lot of good things from this program from a from how they've managed the program, mm-hmm. but the the evidence on the field is not there right now. Yeah, I. I like Riley. I, I don't want to pile on. Like we said on Saturday night, I yeah. don't want to pile yeah. on. But it's just at some point you you got to give us something not to, to pile on about. I mean, there's – Yeah. And, and, and this was – we gave a discussion about this over the summertime when we were talking about 
the Bo Pelini and the Mac Browns back at Texas is that, you know, sometimes just being a good guy can buy you some time. And, and I think that that's part of the, there are people that we really like Riley. We just genuinely like him. He's a good guy, but my gosh, I'll take anything over the, 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 the kinds of losses that we've had basically Dave dating back to that, that trip to Columbus a year ago. Yeah. That's right. You think, uh, and let's wrap this up here. We're gonna, we could go on forever, but I'll just throw a little little thing out to, to be a head-scratcher, I guess. We talked about how the, the money has made a difference, right? You, your results need to happen sooner than ever. Uh, back in the day, you'd get five years, uh, but those coaches were making uh, a, a pittance compared to what uh, head coaches make today. Do you feel like sometimes because of the huge salaries and the buyouts, I mean, Brett Bleum has like a 12 or $15 million buyout at Arkansas, for goodness sake. Yeah, so enjoy him and other year hogs. You know. Yeah. Uh, is that they, they uh, sure, that they're on the hot seat almost all the time, but they have also are multimillionaires that have made tons of money. And look, if Mike Riley uh, gets uh, dismissed and is no longer the head coach at the University of Nebraska, uh, he will retire comfortably in the hill country of Texas and not have to worry about anything, right? He's earned his pay, uh, whether it's for Oregon State or Nebraska. You know, has the, the, the salaries also changed, like, the urgency sometimes to win uh, from a coaching staff? Sure, they're going to get fired, but I just got paid $6 million over three years with a $6 million buyout. Who cares, right? Well, it's ma- it's made coaching a great gig because it's a golden parachute before you even – before you even, you know, the ink is dry right. on your on your uh, contract. I don't know. I mean, you can go back to Bob Devaney, and he had five great years here, completely turned us around after 20 horrible years, and he goes six and four in two straight seasons, and there were people calling for his head. So I don't know if the in terms yeah, of but he was, the Yeah, but he wasn't set for life with the money he had made at that point, right? Correct. Correct. He's not set for life by it, but the expectation. Now they are. You know, the, the money isn't making – I don't think the money that – if Riley was making one million or ten million, I don't know in my mind if that makes any difference. It, I'm looking at the results on the field. Maybe if you're an Iowa fan, you don't care how much you pay for rents, and you know every time he goes three and eight, they they give him another three million a year. But but for us, I, I'm not even looking at the contract. I'm just looking at the results, and the results the results make the the call easy or not. And that's where we hope we win the last six. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. I hope we win our <laughs> last six. All right. No, I I think the money does play a role in this. You're paying these guys millions of dollars. You have a right to expect a little something out of this. I mean, better than what we're seeing. I mean, I think back to, you know, good old Ewald Jumbo Steam when he requested a $750 raise back in the day (laughs) after being our winningest coach of all time, and we refused it, so he had to leave to go to Indiana. That's right. You know, nowadays, I think we can ask a little more than, you know, four or five wins out of a coach we're paying millions of dollars for. I, I'm just saying that I, I don't think that's unreasonable. I'm just saying the fans didn't put up with it when they were making less either. I'm saying the fans aren't any different whether the guy's making three million or not. If you're going no, four I, and eight, I, if you're going that was my point. That. No, just doesn't I, I think the coaches are different. That's my point. The coaches are different, right? Oh, with that all they, these buyouts and huge contracts. There, I, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure Mike Riley wants to win just like everybody else, but at this point, I mean, look, he, he gets fired. He, he yeah. made pl- plenty of money. Okay. To, you can to walk that away. point, Dave. To that point, Dave. That's where, when you look at the great coaches, when you look at the Urban Meyers yeah, and the Sabins, it's not the money. They they almost. It's like they they don't even want to talk about those contract things. Yeah, that, it's that the competitive nature of who they are. It, there's a competitive nature. To that to that point, I, I get where you're going. That's where I was going. 
Urban Meyer doesn't care how much he's getting paid. Even Nick Saban doesn't really care how much he's getting paid. He they they just do it because they just they hate losing so much, and they will do anything to not lose. And I I just don't know if if this coaching staff or some other coaching staffs out there that are are less successful have as that much of a mentality. Can, can I can I give you one way. quote here, Dave, and then and then we can wrap it up. Yep. Speaking of Urban Meyer here, and you hear about you know with with uh, Riley, can we? Give him another couple years to get his players in here, his players. This is Urban Meyer's belief on that. He goes, when you're hired someplace, he goes, those are your players. I hear TV guys wait until they get their own players in there. What do you mean their own players? The minute you sign a contract, they're your players. You didn't choose me, I choose you. You're mine, absolutely. I love you, and I'm going to kick the S out of you, and we're going to do it right. That's Urban Meyer's mentality. Follow that up by him saying you don't get five years to build a team, you get two. That's how Meyer approaches things by the way folks that's who we're playing on saturday yep so no worries no worries <laughs> nothing to see here folks <sighs> the pod predictions and now on the go big Redcast is our pod predictions we're taking the top 10 games of the week and running through our best guess uh how do we do last week guys i think it was pretty rough if i'm not mistaken is that correct Boomer did okay, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I don't... rough for a few of us, Dave. Some of us better than Well, others, so. if, if uh, Mac Honky, who changed uh, late in the game after the podcast, and myself didn't take Nebraska, we'd have at least have one more win. But Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't my my best week, that's for certain. Let's well, see. We've got Honky, one, two, three, four, five misses. Dave, one, two, three, four, five. Five for Mac and Boomer with three misses last week. So. Seven and three for Boomer. Yep. We all whiffed on Michigan and K State, and three of us took Louisville in an ill advised bout of ACC. That's a disappointing yeah, loss there. I was the only one to get to NC State there, but uh, I also took Duke, I think, and that one hurt me. Get in, and Oregon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, we'll update speaking. the numbers here on Twitter. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, Virginia-based schools, uh, game day this week is uh, at James Madison. Which where is that again, Boomer? Uh, I believe it was uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia. Harrisonburg. So the Dollies of James Madison are taking on Villanova, uh, and, and we're going to pick that one, I guess. So uh, let's start with that one, guys. Uh, Honky, I know you do a lot of in-depth research on the FCS. Don't you have a whole other podcast on the FCS? I'm sure you really know this game well. What's going to what's gonna happen? I'll, I'll go with James Madison, I guess. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Boomer? Oh, this is just a, just a warm-up for the eventual Colonial Athletic Association massive clash to happen at the end of the year with uh, James Madison and Elon for the title. So James Madison all the way here. Yeah, I, I think we just needed a, uh, an easy win uh, in our our pod prediction, so I'm going to take James Madison as well. If we're all wrong on this one, I'll be damned. Did you say is that where ESPN Game Day is this week? Correct. Is that that right? is correct. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, it's the Dukes of James Madison too. Correct. I was just joking. It's not the Dollies. Um, all right, let's uh, let's head into the uh, the big boy network here. Michigan at Indiana. Wolverines going to Bloomington. Honky. Uh, Michigan is going to be. Angry off of their loss, their surprise loss to Michigan State last week. They're going to come out fired up, and they will they will take care of the Hoosiers. All right. Boomer? 
God, I want to pick Indiana. Ugh, Michigan. Been close many times before. On yes, this. they have. They let me down all season. Let's go, Michigan. Yeah, I think uh, Harbaugh will get it figured out just enough to to win this one. Indiana always seems to stub their toe whenever they get a shot. Uh, all right, let's go to another one of those classic Big Twelve matchups we love to talk about. Twenty uh, fourth ranked Texas Tech. Clingsbury saving his job there right now, heading into Morgantown to take on the Mountaineers of West Virginia. Boomer. Oh, it's good Texas Tech. Am I right? Honky? Uh, maybe I guess Boomer's from that that part of Texas. Grew up there. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a little love to his area, Texas Tech. First college game I ever watched, Red Raiders. Ah, Jones AT and T Stadium. Um, you know, Morgantown's tough to play at. Uh, West Virginia's actually favored in this game. I don't have a lot else to go off of. I'm going to take the Mountaineers on that. They burn couches in Lubbock too, Dave. Oh, oh, well, if it was in Lubbock, I guess I would, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd go with them. But I think it's pretty much a, a, a pick em and the home team wins pick all right, uh, Auburn versus LSU. We got Tiger versus Tiger here. Uh, it's at uh, Baton Rouge. Honky, I'm going to go with LSU. Honky, can you do that in Ed Orgeron voice for me? <laughs> no, I can't. We all love your your, your voice. It's going to sound just like my here. my my Mike Riley voice. Probably, I have no idea. <laughs> not, I probably can't. That's do the opposite Ed of Mike Riley. Yeah. Well, I'm coaching LSU, and uh, well. <laughs> I think I have Johnny no Carson what... voice. I don't know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> LSU. Uh, Boomer? Uh, Auburn. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to take Auburn, too. Uh, Molson's got that offense starting to roll with Stidham, so uh, I, I don't think LSU is, is ready for that one. So I'll take the Tigers of the Plains, not the Bayou. All right, uh, Georgia Tech is going down to Miami to take on the Hurricanes. Rick had a big win there against Florida State last week. Uh, great game. Who are you taking this one, Hunk? Hurricanes. Going Miami with my lock of the week. Lock of the week, Hurricanes Ooh. over the Yellow Jackets. All right, Boomer? Uh, I picked the Yellow Jackets to win their division, so let's go with them. Oh, yeah, all right. Um I'm, I'm going to take Miami as well. I don't think I have – it's hard to read that Georgia Tech offense right now. Maybe they are actually that good, but uh, it seems like Rick's got something going on right now there. Um, and, again, only in his second year, and he's, he's making a difference. Uh, all right, Red River rivalry. I've uh, been down to this game before. It's quite the setting of the Texas State Fair. Oklahoma taking on the Longhorns of Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Boomer? You know this game well? Uh, we're going to go Oklahoma. I think they're pissed after the Iowa State loss. That's fair. Conky? Going Texas. I think. Really? Yeah. This wow. Is, I mean, you think – just for a minute, think about this game here. I mean, you add up these two coaches, their age, and it's almost Riley. I mean, what, 34 yeah. Is, yeah. is Lincoln Riley? Well, these guys – yeah, his coaching experience probably doubles him up, right? He's got over forty years of coaching yeah. experience. Riley has, at, or Lincoln Riley has most ten, probably. Right? So yeah, 
Yeah, that's, and, and that's that crazy. big loss there for Lincoln Riley, this is this is one of those challenging moments that coming into the season, we, we did a red cast the day that uh, Stoops left, and it's like, this is this is a tough season all of a sudden for them. Now, you start to lose one or two games, and his leadership's going to have to shine through. I'm, I'm going with Texas. Interesting. You know, I, I hear what you're saying there, Honk. I do think Oklahoma's the better team, and I definitely think Baker Mayfield uh, is probably going to bounce back. So I will I'll take the safe pick there and go Oklahoma. It should be Although noted. It should be noted. I am in last place by by a yes, lot. Yes, for so. a reason. <laughs> for for a, reason. a reason. There's no doubt about that. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's take on a game that we uh, we asked was if it was happening or not uh, last week. Rutgers goes to Illinois. Oh. God. Scarlet Knights versus <laughs> Look, we we are the twelfth team in the Big Ten, but I feel confident we are not thirteenth or fourteenth, and that's where these two teams are. They're battling it out to be the worst team in conference. Uh yeah. Boomer, I'll give you this the honor of doing this. One I notice first. you're never picking these first, Dave. Uh yeah, yeah. I, I don't you know, I, I just I want to look up what the actual spread is. It's at Illinois, so I'm likely going to take that one. I think the really spread is it. death, is what this is. Uh, <laughs> it is not let's, good. Jeez, I've watched both play. They both suck. Uh, Illinois at home means something. I don't know. Let's go. With Illinois that. is favored by two and a half. Yeah, jeez. Is this the first game they're starting, Jeff George Jr., or was that last week? I know they. I know they've made a switch at quarterback at least from Crouch. Oh. Well, I'm sure that's going to solve everything. There you go. <laughs> hey, they, they can't keep on doing the same thing over and over again, right? That's you know, right. You got to switch gotta, it up somehow. You got to make a change at some point, right? <laughs> make a change. I will. I will take Illinois in this one. I don't know why, but I will. Uh, Honky, I'm going to take Illinois, and but on top of that, you know, we've talked about like what are the best conferences and everything. I think you know the Big Ten's getting some real good love for being one of the the better conferences right now. And it's amazing when you look at the very bottom of it, what you have there with Rutgers in Illinois. I mean, that's that is two of the absolute worst Power Five schools out there. But yeah, I mean, we're saying that we may not be favored in any other Big Ten game the rest of the year, and we beat Illinois twenty-eight to six on the road. Mm-hmm. That's that's how bad that is. Uh, Boomer, what'd you say on yours? What'd you pick? Ah, uh, we went Illinois. Because reasons, I don't know. <laughs> right. Good enough. Uh, all right. Let's go out West Coast. Uh, we have Oregon uh, going to the farm, taking on Stanford. Uh, Stanford uh, uh, looked uh, better uh, beating Utah last uh, Saturday night late. Uh, Bryce Love looks awfully good as uh, they're running back. Boomer? Uh, we're going to go Stanford here. Monkey. I picked Stanford to to win the conference at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to stick with them now. I will also go with Stanford. I think uh, you know Oregon is looking better as well, but um, I think they're down to their second or third string quarterback, right? So mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think uh, Stanford is uh, primed to take that one. All right, uh, getting down there. Let's go back to the SEC. We have Texas A and M. At Florida. Honky? I'm going to go with Florida at home. All right. Do you see? Do you guys see the uh, the highlight there 
of uh, the Florida game last week uh, against LSU where in between the third and fourth quarter they played uh, Tom Petty with uh, I Won't Back Down. That was awesome. That was, uh, was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. Maybe they might do that uh, again. Uh, Boomer, thoughts on this one? Well, that ended well for Florida last week doing that, didn't it? Yeah, I'm not saying it's a, a winning tradition. I'm just saying it might be a tradition. <laughs> it's a tradition. Okay. Uh, uh, it's at the Swamp. Let's go Florida. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the same. This is a tough one. Uh, I do I'm not confident, games. no. Man, it's tough. Florida's favored by three. Yeah, I'm going to go with Florida. They have a little bit more... more uh, uh, hope than a and It's a tough one, though. All right. Um, Boise State at San Diego State. Going going with the Mountain West here. Uh, you know what? I will I will go first, uh, Mike. Boomer, Strange that. Because uh, I want to do my lock of the week. I am taking San Diego State. A believer in the Aztecs. So I'll take, take San Diego State's lock of the week. Hockey, have you got a lock of the week yet? Yeah, I took Miami. Boomer, did oh, okay. you do one? No, since Dave just stole mine, but I'll ah. uh, go back and uh, we'll make, we'll go ahead and make Auburn the lock of the week. So they were no, my second a, choice. That's yeah. a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah, very safe. Yeah. All right, so Boomer's clearly taking San Diego State. Uh, Honky. Oh yeah. I'm taking San Diego State. Rocky Long, if he wasn't um, probably as old as Mike Riley, he would be an interesting coaching hire for somebody. I don't know who, but he's been very successful. Um, all right, guys, that brings us down to the last game of the week, which is uh, one that, if it wasn't our team, probably not on this list. Ohio State is a 24-point favorite coming to Lincoln for a night game. Hard to imagine that, but here we are. Boomer, um, we, we promised the folks a little bit of a breakdown of Ohio State. We know they're good. We know they lost Oklahoma, but um, all the stats are probably in their favor, correct? Yeah, just about any stat that really matters in a game is pretty much in their favor. Um, I'm just going down the list. It's time for the Dorky Data Download. Uh, yeah, there's there's not much positive for the Nebraska Ledger. <laughs> the one that uh, the big concern that re- yeah the big concern that really stands out to me and it was one that kind of stood out last week with Wisconsin is uh, points per play. Wisconsin averages uh, about f- uh, 0.57 points per play. Uh, Nebraska's about 3.8. You know, it's something we touched on earlier about our struggles. Mm-hmm. Sure, we move the ball, but we're just not converting it into points. Right. Uh, just to make you feel any better, uh, for the last three games, Ohio State's been averaging 0.7 points a play, and they're averaging somewhere about in the 70s plays per game. So. They're turning out about 50 points a game, so that that's promising. So we've got that to look forward to. Yeah, this is a team that's torched Rutgers, and yeah, it's, it's difficult. They also have a very talented uh, freshman running back, similar to Wisconsin, right? Uh, Dobbins. Yeah. Um, and it seems like JT Barrett, after a, a pretty disappointing performance versus Oklahoma, has bounced back and has thrown a lot of touchdown passes. So it's going to be a going to be a chore. Uh, Honky, you want to take a first crack at this? <laughs> Thanks. I, hey. uh, <laughs> God, you know, I, you know, I mean, it's a 24-point spread, so I'm either on the side of it's gonna, we're going to get blown out or I'm just going to defiantly pick Nebraska just to pick us and and show my support, right? <sighs> you could at least, you could, if you could, you could show support by just simply saying we would cover. 
<laughs> That's probably true. Oh, I, uh, I think our defense. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna say our defense performs well and can hold them to 31 points, and All we right. score 10. 31 to 10. 31 to 10. All right, that's a cover. So that'd be in Vegas a, a victory. Boomer. Uh, just hoping our defense can hold them a little bit, and maybe we return a punt or something. Keep it a little closer, below their normal average. It's going to be Ohio State, forty-two to twenty-four. Huh. that's also. I mean, all of us essentially said we were going to lose to Ohio State to begin the season, right? I mean, when we broke I believe down the so, season, yes. none of us said we were going to win this game. Um, and so, you know, here we are. Yeah, I, I am mentally and visually scarred by sitting through a 62-3 to debacle at uh, um, uh, Columbus, Ohio last year. It was, it was brutal, um, and we lost in all facets of the game. Uh, at home, I don't think it'll be quite that bad. But yeah, I'll I'll say Ohio State forty-five, Nebraska fourteen. Uh, I don't think we have a real real shot. Um, you know, I kind of picked us to beat Wisconsin last week because I I do think Riley always, even on his bad teams, would tend to beat somebody he shouldn't beat. I just can't in my mind fathom how this team could could turn that around and pull it off this year. But hey, you never know. But we'll see. All right, guys. Well, um, I'm sure for our uh, Twitter uh, audience, we'll make sure we get max predictions on these games and get those in there. And uh, we'll have a full set to, to look at. Uh, anything else you guys want to add uh, before we go into parting shots? I'm good. No, I'm, I'm, I'm content. All right. Parting shot from hockey. What do you got, man? Well, uh, again, I want to thank the Redcasters. Uh, today we have passed 1,400 Twitter followers. And when awesome. you include our Facebook as w- along with that, we're getting close to 1,700 total. So uh, kind of when starting this whole little podcast thingy back in April, if you'd have told us that, we would have said you're crazy. And uh, on top of that, our, our weekly listeners, they're nearly double today what they were just at the beginning of this season. And yep. and that that number back then blew us away. So uh just can't say enough here uh redcast nation that we thank you for your support and even when the games on the field they've been a little bit tough at times you have made this whole experience well worth it so uh we will we will keep doing this but thank you guys for following we're gonna carry on all right boomer i don't have anything nearly as elegant as that i mean he's out here thanking (laughs) listeners and i just assume we're all crazy any of us recording and listening to this stuff so that's all we got. So madness helps. That's right. That's what I'm going to say. I think, you know, uh, the red cast and anybody who cares as much to, to put it, uh, not just the show on, but to listen and all the, the, the comments we get in from everybody. Uh, we cannot let the, the fan base fall into apathy. So, uh, keep, keep that in mind when you run into those fans that are saying they just don't care any longer. Um, because we will become Minnesota if we uh, allow that to happen, and uh, I, I'm not going to be one to do that. So yep. let's uh, let's keep this up. Uh, I always will love talking Husker football, regardless of our win loss record, um, and I have faith that we will someday find the light, whether that's under Mike Riley or someone else. 
All right, boys. Let's uh, let's call that a uh, go big redcast. GBR. GBR. Ohio State. Beat the Buckeyes. Oh.